0: Good morning, and welcome to all. wishing you a blessed and happy new year. So, amen. Thank you for those songs, Garrett. That was a blessing. Mm-hmm. Um, that one song I picked, um, I am resolved no longer to linger charmed by the world of divine. Things that are higher... And things that are nobler, these have allured my sight. I am resolved to go to the Savior, leaving my sin in strife. He is the true one. He is the just one. He hath the words of life. I am resolved to follow the Savior, faithful and true each day. Heed what he saith and do what he willeth. He is the living way. And I am resolved to enter the kingdom, leaving the paths of sin. Friends may oppose me, foes may beset me, still will I enter. And beautiful words, um, beautiful words for uh, for a New Year's resolution. That's a wonderful resolve to make, um, to hasten to him, to seek him, to pursue him. So I'd like to open with a prayer, let's pray. Dear Lord, our Father, we we worship you this morning. We thank you and praise you for all that you've done. Thank you for this opportunity to come together, to look at your word, to hear your word, to sing these songs of praise to you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are the almighty God. We thank you that you love us and you care for us. We thank you for all that you've done. We thank you, Father, for your faithfulness. Help us, Lord, to walk worthy of your love. To live our lives for you and only for you. I pray for your blessing over this time here, Lord, over the words that are spoken. Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. That you would give us revelation of your will for our lives. I bless this time here and draw us all closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. so amen <clears throat> so new year's Day, 2023 you know I remember when I was a, a boy in the, around 1996 a lot of people thought uh, 2000 was going to be the end of the world it was going to crash the year 2000, it's 2023. <laughs> um, so yeah, a lot of people did expect things to happen. <laughs> and, uh, you know, a turn of the year, uh, I think it's a bit of a special time. Uh, I appreciate uh, stopping for New Year's, looking at a new year, looking at a new year. And I like, um, especially like uh, Garrett shared here. Um, in the opening, that it's it's a time, it's a good time to stop and reflect. Any time is a good time to review our life, to see, to see what, if we're making progress, if we're growing, if we're going in the right direction. Because this life is a journey. We need to continually check ourselves to see if we're on the right journey, to see if we're headed to where we want to go. Because every step we take, Every step we make takes us in a direction. It takes us closer to the end goal. It takes us closer to where we're headed. So 2022 is now uh, just another year in the records of human history. Uh, We can't change anything anymore. That's happened in 2022. We can talk and we can discuss it. Now we can discuss the things that happen. Uh, we can analyze the things that happen and the decisions we've made. We can critique the choices and the decisions that were made. At the time of changing anything, as with every year in past history, is over. It is what it is. Or maybe rather, it is what it was. But anyway... Um, for many, they take this time to set forth New year, New Year's Resolutions. This year I'm going to do so-and-so, this year I'm going to. And uh, New Year's Resolutions are, excuse me, become a, become a little bit of a comic for a lot of people. Um, interestingly... Um, 23% of New Year's resolutions only made, don't even make it a week. That's a quarter of them. Uh, over 60% have dropped out in a month. And uh, only 9% of New Year's resolutions are kept for a year. So I don't know where these numbers are from. Maybe someone just made them up. I just quickly, uh, quickly looked them up, and we like to chuckle a little bit at the statistics. Uh, we like to poke a little fun at people who have great aspirations and run out of steam in less than two weeks if the goal was a whole year. <clears throat> um, but honestly, if I look at it, I think for a lot of us, we might just be laughing a little bit at ourselves. Um, Many of the resolutions people talk about are neither here nor there, you know. Uh, If you're thinking about some fickle New Year's resolutions that you've been making year after year, just kind of in the back of your head, this year I'm going to do this and that, um, forget it, I mean, that's just whatever. If you like having fun like that, go ahead. Um, it probably won't make much difference in eternity, how much time um, you spend in the gym the next year, or how much time you spend exercising every day. But I want to talk a little bit about, seriously talk about, the use resolutions. <clears throat> the idea altogether is not, not a bad um, we we have a little bit of fun with it, yes. But honestly, on a personal level, so many times, um, I resolved to spend more time in prayer. I resolved to study more. I resolved to take so much time out of every day. Um, I resolved to serve more, and they're they're good good things, good resolutions. Um, and yet, and usually not around New Year's. Interesting. Uh, there's a little bit of stigma attached to a New Year's resolution, right? It's kind of the idea that New Year's resolutions are meant not to keep. Um, but still, but still, Um, I know I've I've made these resolutions that I I want to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to continue to do this, so and so. Um, And good spiritual, meaningful resolutions. And yet it's a struggle. Um, A lot of those things are still a struggle. And at this point I expect uh, that the struggle will continue. But it still doesn't change my resolve to grow in these areas. It's a battle, it's a struggle. There will always be some areas in our lives to grow in. So back at New Year's resolutions, um, I just looked up quickly too, why, well the the main reasons, the few main reasons New Year's resolutions fail, Um, And it was, uh, it interested me what they have there is one of the biggest one of the biggest things is with the New Year's resolution is that you're trying to change. Um, you're trying to change some behavior or some habit in your life. And that's hard to do. Um, so for every good habit we have in our life, if somebody has a good habit in their life, something they appreciate. It's a good thing. It's something they've probably worked at. It's something that, that's cost a lot of discipline. It's something that they've invested in a lot. On the other hand, a lot of bad habits form automatically. Um, I mean, you can, you can have a bad habit take root in three days, three all days of laziness. And, and the bad habit can take root in your life. And then you have it, and it's easy, and it's just natural, and there's no, no discipline, there's no no effort. It, it doesn't take any effort to keep it going, but it's also damaging. <coughs> um, so one of the biggest things is um, to change something in our life is often harder um, than we even like to admit. And that's one of the biggest issues, uh, one of the biggest struggles. Naturally, our, our flesh, the tendencies toward negative in most of us, in all of us, stronger than we like to admit. It's there. Um, there's laziness, there's. Um, <coughs> It's just easy to be lazy. It's easy to sit back and relax. It's easy to push off doing something good. It's automatic. If you're not fighting on the contrary, if you're not, if you're not working towards something better, you will default to the, um, to the easy way out. The second one they have is the lack of accountability. So this must be some serious... Um, um, A serious New Year's resolution for someone to have accountability. And it's an interesting concept because we we really appreciate that concept in our church, in our daily lives, um, where we have accountability. And what's the benefit to that? That it keeps each other, we, we keep each other accountable. We keep each other on task. We keep each other focused. We help each other to remember the direction we're going. To remember our focus point, to remember where we're headed. Um, So accountability—it's a big thing. It's uh, it's important. The third one is uh, there's no tracking. There's no reviewing your progress. And uh, I'm—I mean, I don't want to take a deep deep study out of this, but it just uh, interested me that these things, um, we can apply them spiritually to our spiritual lives. Like, uh, like tracking, not that we should be constantly tracking and measuring every little detail, but um, just remembering where we've come from, remembering, just looking at our lives and seeing if there's growth, seeing if there's progress. It's a good thing. And the fourth is a lack of planning. Is it even a reasonable or sustainable goal? Is, uh, is, this, is this something I really want? Is this something that I can actually live with uh, on the long term? Um, we, when we have a, an experience of some sort, we, we're suddenly very ambitious. And we want to do great, great things. Um, but the reality is, are we ready to commit to this every day in our daily lives? <clears throat> um, it's like if someone would would uh, tell me they want to commit to reading their to to, to th- two or three hours of Bible study every day, getting up at getting up at uh, at four thirty or five o'clock every morning to study and read my Bible, read read their Bible. I I probably I wouldn't exactly discourage them, but I would tell them. It's probably not. Are you ready to really sign up for that? I would encourage them to go for 6 o'clock. Maybe even 6.30. And do that. And build that into your life in a consistent mode. In a consistent. And do that consistently. Something that that you can maintain. Something that you want to. You can live with. And that works. And uh, the other one is actually taking charge and making changes. You know, if, uh, if someone, one of the big ones is, is losing weight, you know, if someone would, have, would want to lose weight and that person likes potato chips, that person has to get the potato chips out of their house. I mean, if you want to lose weight and you want to eat potato chips every day, you, you need to get used to the idea of being overweight. It's not going to work. Um, and it's just a simple example. I mean, <clears throat> um, there's much more serious resolutions that we should be making. And that's what I want to talk about this morning the real meaningful resolutions like the song um the song that i read here before we started the resolutions that every believer should make because i believe every believer has to have made some resolutions <clears throat> um I mean, like, okay, resolutions. We, the more I looked at the word, uh, the more I liked it. It means uh, resolution. The state or quality of being resolute. Firm determination. To have a firm determination to do something. It's not just some passive um, signing up for something. But it's a firm determination to do something. Uh, Number two, a firm decision to do something, a firm one, and a course of action determined or decided on. So it's something, it's a decision that somebody made, and he more or less set it in stone. I'm going to do this. Um, If you decide you're going to run five miles every day, and you started today, and you're not sure if you're going to do it tomorrow, it's not really a resolution. You haven't, you haven't firmly decided, I'm going to do this. It's a bit of, uh, how do we say, maybe commitment. It's a little bit of commitment to what you're doing. Resolute, it comes from the word resolute, which is, also means firm or determined, unwavering. Somebody, this person was resolute in their decision to stand uh, by what they had said. They weren't going to waver. They weren't going to move. And, uh, <coughs> and honestly, it sounds like something we all have to come to. We all have to resolve as Christians. Each, of, each one of us has to have resolved to follow Christ. We have to make that resolution. To make a resolution to follow Him. Jesus called each of his disciples to follow him. And Jesus put some strong emphasis on that. To the point where he said to, uh, to someone who said he, he, to people who, who decided they wanted to follow him but they weren't quite sure. He said, um, he who lays his hands on the plow and looks back is not worthy of me. Someone who starts... Who starts working away with this plow? Imagine someone working a plow, and he puts his hand on the plow, and he's got his hand on the plow, and he's looking. He's not sure if he wants to start, uh, but he's kind of started. Um, Jesus says that's that's not that's not going to work. Jesus' calling is to follow him with all your heart, with all our heart. If we never resolve to follow Christ, we cannot really, we cannot become disciples. Without, without that resolution to follow Him, that's one of the main elements. It's the beginning. Um, too many times nowadays, uh, when, when people, when you hear the term, just ask the Lord Jesus to come into your heart. I think it can cause confusion. Because Jesus said to people, follow me. And yes, he gives that life. He gives us new life. And he gives us his spirit to walk in. But the key element is to follow him, to seek him, to pursue him. To resolve to follow him. And all the power in the world is available for those, is available to those who resolve to follow Christ with all their heart. So here I have a few verses. Um, I have a couple of passages. Uh, The first one is out of Mark 12, verse 28 to 31. that are resolutions for every believer. Um, And this one is the calling of every child of God. Mark 12, verses, uh, 20, starting at verse 28. <clears throat> and uh, think, think of the word resolution. And uh, I have to say, I'm probably one of the guilty ones who's always been a little skeptical and cynical towards resolutions, New Year's resolutions. Um, but the word just impressed me with its weight and its meaning. Um, that that's the, that's the type of, uh, of idea, that's the type of concept we should apply to our spiritual life. That's how we should be working out our salvation, with determination, with total commitment to this, no matter what comes. <clears throat> Mark 12, uh, verse 28 to 31. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceived that he had answered them well, and said, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? So this scribe, Jesus is here, and he's uh, in a dispute with the scribes and Pharisees. And uh, there was a scribe there, seemingly in the background, and he hears their answer, and he's impressed. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, which is the first, which is the first, which is the greatest commandment of all? The first, meaning greatest. Jesus answered, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. I have the, King, I have the new King James, where I think the, the King James says the greatest commandment. The second is like it. It is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So here we have the words of Christ. That Jesus says this is the greatest commandment. This is the first commandment. This is what everyone should first aspire to do. Or should always aspire to do. Or should always be pursuing. This can be our constant pursuit. To love the Lord your God with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, and with all our strength. This is the first commandment. And in in more or less words, Jesus was saying this is the most important element. This is the most important thing for us to pursue. So if if Jesus, the creator, the creator of the universe, the word of God says this, that this is the most important. Our adequate response would be to make this our resolution, to make this our focal point, to make this our pursuit with all our heart. To pursue this. So there's another one, other Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. If you want to turn there, Um, Colossians 3, verses 1 to 4. I want to take a few more verses. And and these are examples of of the type of verses, um, the things that we should pursue, the things that should have first priority, Um, the things that should have the biggest, the most, the, the primary emphasis of our lives. Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. Set your affections. Hold on, there's something wrong. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Or you died, and your life is hidden with Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Set your affections on things that are above. And uh, you know, it, it might be a little bit too vague as a resolution, but that should be our end goal, that should be our purpose. That should be our final pursuit, to pursue those things, to pursue Christ, to pursue his life, to pursue our love for him, to pursue his purpose for in our lives. So uh, what are we fighting against? What's the struggle? There is is a real enemy out there. And we often, I think we often don't perceive it as an enemy. Uh, We don't recognize it as the enemy. Because in in our Christian walk, in our life, even a distraction something that's keeping us from Christ, something something that's keeping us from loving the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and strength. Anything that's keeping us from that um, can end up being a tool in the hands of the enemy. (sighs) Um, But there's a lot going on in our world today. Especially nowadays, um, with our instant, uh, instant communication, instant access, instant phones, um, mobile devices, how much people, how much these companies are investing into getting a little piece of your time, and time is precious. Time is our is one of our most valuable commodities. It's it's not redeemable. Uh, once it's gone, it's gone. And Satan's like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. <clears throat> so I have a few uh, I have a few numbers here. Um, about and I just want to I just want to take a minute to look at, um, at at the internet at the world. I think a lot of our distraction today, a lot of our time, um, goes into our devices. I think it's a real formidable force coming against today's Christianity. Um, So, for example, uh, Google has 156,500 full-time employees. That's Google. It's a web internet searching. You all know what Google is. Uh, They define the word. Um, Anyway, I'm sure they do a lot more. But they build and make this internet browser so that when you type something in to the internet, it brings you what you're probably interested in. And these employees, all these 156,000 employees, uh, their focus, their goal is to make your experience better that's what they do so you come back so you enjoy it so they deliver what you want so they're trying to make us as the customers um, they're trying to make whoever uses it happy so that they have a good experience and these are these are professionals these are all trained people very, very, very intelligent um, to work for a company like that. There's YouTube. YouTube only has 2,000 employees, if surprisingly. But on the other hand, they have 51 million channels. There's 51 million channels on there. And many of them are working every day to try to get you to watch one of their videos, one of their clips. These 51 million channels; each of them have a person or a crew behind them. They're trying to get you to just watch, spend five or ten minutes um, watching whatever they have there. They're trying to crack into your interest. Get some of your time. It's kind of a, a war after your time. They're, they're fighting for your time. They're fighting for your interest. <coughs> the film industry employs roughly 2.1 million people in the U.S. Each of them working. to get you to spend money and uh, get a little, get a chunk of your time. They want you to spend your time watching their stuff. Apple has 2 million people employed in the U.S. alone and trying to build stuff to make your experience a little bit better, a little bit more appealing. And, and all of these companies, all these, these different companies working, millions of employees, just working every day. Their job is to get you to spend time on their program. <clears throat> and uh, that's, that's all they're focusing on every day. And these are intelligent people. These are highly paid individuals. I see a large majority of them. These companies have thousands, billions of dollars to spend, and uh, they design products to make it better, to 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 just intrigue us, to just get us to spend, to to invest in them. And I'm not saying that I'm, I'm not giving these interesting statistics for entertainment, but there's a real force. In this world, that's working against us. There's a real force that's fighting for our time. There's a real uh, force out there that's working um, to get our resources. We tend to forget that we're fighting against a powerful enemy. We're tending to forget that we're fighting an enemy that invests real money and all his energy into swaying us, into keeping us from this goal, into separating separating us from our God. This enemy has a whole arsenal of weapons. And I think his first and foremost weapon is to weaken our defenses by distracting us. I think one of his greatest enemies' uh, tools is distraction. He can make us question our faith by challenging us. He continually fights against us. And all that's right and good. This world, the world is continually flashing and drawing our attention away from Christ. We have the world at our fingertips. <clears throat> the phones we have, um, the access we have, we like to have it available. But one thing with phones: phones are become phones are a, are a big thing. Um, if if we are not aware, if I, I'll say it this, I'll say this: if you're not consciously taking steps to monitor or control your screen time and phone time, um, I guarantee you, you are spending excessive time and wasting hours every day. If you are not actively aware, if you're not trying to prevent this. You know, years ago, um, we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't have TV in our homes. And we appreciate that years ago, our grandparents uh, made a choice not to have TV in our homes. We made that, they made that choice. And, and we look back at that and we appreciate that. Um, I've never met anyone who wished they'd have had a TV growing up if they didn't have one. So we thank our grandparents for making that decision. And, uh, and looking back, we know it's a, it's a blessing uh, for all those who grew up without it. The, 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 the continuous distraction, the constant noise, uh, the breakdown of meaning, meaningful family time. And, uh, and mostly the continuous negative influence and the flaunting of the world in our face every day. It's, uh, it's a, we, we can look at that and say that was a blessing that we did not have to take part of that growing up. <clears throat> but now we have our own challenge. This is the challenge today. It's the mobile phone. And if, if we're not watching to keep it in its place, It'll be a snare, at best. Even with best efforts, it'll be a struggle. It'll be a snare, and at at the very least, it'll eat up your time. See, this enemy, um, this enemy doesn't play fair. I said, I said a while back in a message that Satan's a predator. He's a true predator. He doesn't give someone, if he sees someone struggling, he doesn't give him a break. He goes for the kill. If you watch a lion or a, or a wild cat go after, uh, go after an animal, they're, they're running after a herd and they see, um, they see this antelope that broke its leg. They're going to say, ah, we're going to let one go. Poor antelope. No, that's the one they're going to take. They're a predator. And that's how Satan is. He doesn't give a break. He doesn't let us go because we're trying hard. He exploits it. He is looking for the easy target. We need to tap into all our resources. We need God's help in this. We need to pray continuously. Continuously. We need to be filled with His Word. We need his strength and power. We need to be aware that we are in a battle. We need to be spiritually fit, ready, and prepared. And that takes time. It takes dedication. And it'll probably take some resolutions. Time is precious. Um, Garrett shared a bit on on the King Josiah. I want to take a few points out of the story of Hezekiah. Just one point, actually. Uh, Hezekiah was one of the great kings. Um, He was one of the best and most godly kings that Israel had, that Judah had. He became king at a young age, interestingly. And at a young age, he immediately started repairing the temple. And restoring worship to the one true God of Israel. He started pursuing that at a, young, at a young age. He brought the nation back to worshiping God. And God blessed and protected him because of it. Um, uh, so much so when the, when the dreaded Assyrian army. And their captain. When the Sennacherib. It's his, it's his name. He threatened to destroy Jerusalem. Um, he came to this city. And um, he was... Yelling, uh, seemingly he was yelling to the city walls, to the soldiers on the city walls, that uh, how, how he was going to come to destroy Jerusalem. And they should just surrender. They shouldn't listen to Hezekiah. They shouldn't listen to what he has to say. That, and he says, one of the things he kept saying again and again is, look at these, don't think that your God will be able to protect you. Look at the gods of these other nations were any of their gods able to protect them and uh, so God um, Hezekiah they turned they asked they turned to God and they said uh, basically they cried out to God that he would help them and Isaiah comes back with this message and he says uh, he's going to go back to his own country he's gonna uh, he says in the prophecy, "I'll put my hook in his nose and lead him back to where he came from." And uh, so, this king heard this rumor that he was being attacked, and he had to leave. But he he didn't he didn't let it go. Um, he sent then he sent this letter to Hezekiah, and he said to uh, in this letter he said he reiterated all of that that. Don't think that, that I'm, I'm going to come back and I'm going to destroy Jerusalem and your God. He's just like all the other gods. He can't protect you. And it seemed to have grieved Hezekiah that he took this letter and he went to the temple and he spread it out before God. And he said, Lord, look at what he saying." He says you he said he's true what he's saying about these other nations is true he did destroy all these other cities but their gods weren't gods but you are and God answered his prayer and God showed to Sennacherib that um He was the one true God. He was not like the other gods. And 185,000 of his army died in one night. His whole army was wiped out. And he went back to his own country in shame. And there in the temple of his own God, he was assassinated. I mean, if that's not a statement of... uh, if that's not saying something about our God and his God, um, I don't know how to make one. <clears throat> anyway, Hezekiah did many great things. He brought Israel back to God and restored them as a nation. Um, so if you want to turn to First Kings uh, chapter 20. I want to take a passage out of there. First, first uh, Kings chapter 20, verse 1. <clears throat> in those days, Hezekiah was sick near death. So one day, Hezekiah becomes sick. And uh, Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, "Remember, O Lord, how I, Lord, I pray, how, <clears throat> I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart, and have done what was good in your sight." And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Israel, Isaiah had gone out to the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him, saying, "Return and tell Hezekiah the leader of my people, thus saith the Lord," says the Lord. The God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord. And I will add to your days 15 years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Syria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Then Isaiah said, Take a lump of figs. So they took and laid it on oil and he recovered and Hezekiah said to Isaiah, what sign uh, that the Lord will heal me? What is the sign that the Lord will hear me? Heal me that I shall go up to the house of the Lord the third day. Then Isaiah said, this is the sign to you from the Lord. The Lord will do the thing which he has spoken. Shall, shall the shadow go forward 10 degrees Uh, ten degrees or backward ten degrees. And Hezekiah answered, It is an easy thing for the shadow to go down ten degrees. No, but let the shadow go backward ten degrees. So Isaiah the prophet cried out to the Lord, and he brought the shadow ten degrees backward by which it had gone down on the sundial of Ahaz. Second Kings one to eleven. So my question is, what would you do if you were told to get your house in order? You're going to die. It's not as strange as we first think. Uh, many people go to the doctor and they receive news that they have a few weeks or a few months to live. In fact, it, it seems like Hezekiah did have something like cancer. on um, Some sort of boil, a visible infection. Anyway... Um, that's a good thing to think about. We should always be ready. He started crying out to God how he had faithfully served him. And God sent him back that he would add, and said that he would add 10, 15 years to his life. And he gave him this incredible token, um, this sign that he moved the sundial back 10 degrees. I a mean, tremendous miracle. I mean, scientifically, uh, we should have all been thrown off the planet, right? Uh, everybody should have... The, everything should have fallen apart, disrupting the whole earth. But we'll just accept it as a miracle. <clears throat> but with Hezekiah, I, I've often wondered um, what happened here. Because everything notable... Um, recorded in scripture happened before those fifteen years. It seemed a little bit he went downhill from there. Um, he made some grave mistakes after all this happened. It seemed to have made him proud. Um, these ambassadors came to thee from the east to see why who this king was for whom the son Had gone backwards. And uh, he didn't even think to give God the glory. So, what would we do if we were told God is adding another 15 years to our life? Maybe there's some here that aren't expecting 15 years anymore. But life is tremendously short. Life is fragile. Fifteen years come and go real quick. Uh, Bygone years, years to come. Um, We tend to remember the past uh, in a nostalgic way. We remember it better than what it was. Um, We tend to be very optimistic about our future. A lot of times it seems like we expect things to change. Uh, We expect things to get better. We always expect things to get better. But why are we expecting things to get better? Things generally deteriorate. If you're going to build a house, it's not going to get better with time. It'll need maintenance. Maintenance. Eventually, the roof will start leaking. So it is with old age. So it is with life. So it is in our spiritual life. It takes effort. It takes a pursuit for God. A pursuit after God. So many times, uh, we look back and... And you know, maybe... Uh, we look back at our lives and we're stuck. Maybe we look back at our lives and we can't, uh, can't get out of the rut we're in. The first step is recognizing that we need help. And we can recognize that we need help if we believe in God. We put our faith Our trust in Him. We literally ask Him for help. He'll help us. He helps those who cry out to Him. (laughs) If we honestly ask for Him, He will be with us. He will help us. So resolutions verses. Walking with Christ. What's the difference? What's the difference in setting our heart and our mind on the things for God and following Him? And just making a New Year's resolutions that will last a few weeks? I think in a lot of the ways, um, there's an overlap. There's a seeking after Him. We have to seek after Him. We have to pursue Christ. We have to pursue God. See, I believe God's done his part. Usually he's on the waiting end. If we were playing volleyball, you throw the ball into this court. God delivers. God returns the ball. You know what I'm saying? The ball is usually in our court. God has given us so much. It's for us to recognize him and pursue him and seek him. And He gives us His strength. If we make a resolution, if, if we commit ourselves to following Him, commit ourselves to pursuing Him, we need to be, I think we need to be more ready to, take, to, to tap into the resources that we have. To see if, if we actually need Him, if we want to pursue Him, if we want to grow in Him. We need to realize that we might need help. We need each other. We need to seek Him. We need to find time if we don't have time. We need to honestly pray. Pray for His grace, His strength. Maybe we need to pursue accountability. Talk to someone about how you want to grow. Commit to it. People do amazing things on their own strength. Just by sheer determination. People become millionaires and billionaires just by work and intelligence and doing it smart and fast enough. And yet we have this whole resource of God's strength. God wanting to help us. God wanting to bless us. So... Um, God God is there Christ is there to give us strength to be with us to help us grow, to strengthen us in times of need. He can teach us he'll teach us in all things he is our strength he has promised us his grace. He's promised us his power. If we come to him humbly and we pray for his grace his strength he gives it <clears throat> Philippians 4 verse 13, it says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthen me. When our eyes and our focus is to know Christ, to be made into His image, to be molded into Him and His likeness, when He is the first and foremost in our lives, He gives us the strength and grace to walk through any struggle. He's our strength, our stay, our provider, our Father, and our God. When we are in His shadow, when He is walking before us and by our side, we have nothing to fear. See, when, a, when a row, you picture a row of sprinters, uh, racers, they're lined up and they're getting ready to race. They're getting ready to run a race. And uh, they all have the same goal. They all they're all going for the same goal. They all want to win. They all want to get there first. The difference is some get there first, and some don't get there at all. It's what happens in between. The goal is uh, the goals are all the same, and they all have the same intention. But the follow through is what matters. What happens in between is what matters. So I want to close with the verse out of Hebrews twelve, verse, verses one and two. Therefore also, therefore we also, since we are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily ensnare us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising his shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let's run with patience to race, enduring the struggle, seeking his strength and putting our faith and our trust in him. So amen.